Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy Thursday, everybody. I hope y'all are having amazing, fantabulous days here so far. Our friend 10 Sports is back. Y'all know 10 Sports. Uh, Chris has been coming on here for a while. He's uh, been covering the Titans for years. He's been a Titans fan his whole life. He's been covering the Tennessee Titans for years. And every time we have some Tennessee Titans news, our man Chris from 10 Sports comes on and uh, chats with us here on the Take It Easy podcast. And what better time to talk Tennessee Titans football than the time when the Tennessee Titans are dominating the headlines of the football world right now. So we talked about Julio Jones from more of a personnel standpoint and like an evaluation of the trade. What we wanted to do with Chris from 10 Sports, who you can check out with the link in today's episode bio, uh, is more the X's and O's and deeper analytical football talk. Uh, versus the like, here's Julio Jones, here's the trade, let's evaluate this from a front office standpoint, and what does this mean for the Falcons, and what does this mean for the Titans, and the grand scheme of the league. Um, with Chris from 10 Sports, uh, we wanted to evaluate X's and O's, so we'll do that today. Uh, also, I was going to bust out just a quick appearance from Douchey Hockey Guy. Douchey Hockey Guy is firmly entrenched in the playoffs, but now that the final four are set in hockey, and we have to call it the final four because it's not the conference finals this year, it is four different divisions that each will come together and reseed and then compete in the finals. How do we know that it's the final four instead of conferences? Because three of the teams that are advancing are traditionally from the Eastern Conference. And, uh, Douchey hockey guy is firmly entrenched in the playoffs and he's analyzing X's and O's of Nate McKinnon and Alec Martinez's matchup between the Colorado Avalanche and Vegas Golden Knights in game five that should end up with the Colorado Avalanche advancing in that series. But he did want to pass along a note laughing at our buddy Cam from Daily Sports Dosage and now the DSD podcast which, by the way, episode three will be dropping here on Thursday. So check out the DSD podcast with the link in the bio with myself and our friend Cam. Wanted to pass along this message about the Boston Bruins, who uh, lost to the New York Islanders, who are going to the conference finals, even though they're not technically the conference finals, and I just got done saying they're the final four instead of the conference finals. They're advancing to the final four, 
for the second year in a row. Uh, the New York Islanders are the best New York team at this point, which is kind of funny to say because the New York Islanders have been just putrid for like 30 years in hockey. And their most memorable moment of the last 30 years was having an owner by the team who didn't actually have any money and basically conned the entire league into being the owner of the Islanders for eight months. It's a really good 30 for 30. It's called Long Shot. Uh, I would highly encourage you all to check out that story or just read about that story because the fake owner of the Islanders, the con man who bought the entire New York Islanders franchise, uh, that is a hell of a story. But anyways, the New York Islanders, who are the best New York team now of all of the New York teams, whether it be the New York Rangers, New York Jets, New York Giants, both of those teams have been sorry forever. The New York Knicks, who obviously had a good year. The idea that the Islanders and Knicks are the two best New York teams is laughable. And the New York Yankees, who are third place right now. And, of course, the New York Mets are in first place, but I'd argue that they are certainly a step behind the Islanders. The Islanders are back in the Boston Bruins. Yeah, blew it. I've been talking for years about how, or douchey hockey guy has been talking about for years, how the Boston Bruins and the Tampa Bay Lightning are firmly the teams of this era of hockey. And unfortunately for the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning held up their end of the bargain. And once again, the Tampa Bay Lightning look well on their way to a Stanley Cup run. They'll play either Cinderella Montreal or the Islanders, who they are better than on paper by a significant amount. And, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning will probably end up winning that series, but I don't know exactly how the reseedings will line up. And I'm looking at a staring down the barrel of a Tampa Bay and Colorado Stanley Cup final, unless they end up playing in the semifinal because I don't understand seedings in hockey. But anyways, douchey hockey guy just wanted to pass along that message. So I want to talk about the second round of the playoffs because you know, we've done recaps on the Portland Trailblazers and the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers and the Dallas Mavericks. We've even done a little bit of a uh, posthumous analysis of the Milwaukee Bucks on Tuesday, even though the Bucks are only down 2-0 in their series. But I do want to put all that on the back burner and talk about these two or these four series that are going on in the second round because it is really really exciting because we don't know jack shit about what is going to end up happening in any of these series right now hell at the time we're recording this we're starting the second half of the nuggets and suns game and the suns are up 10 but by the time we're done with this the denver nuggets might have end up coming back and winning the game anyways this is Kyle from the future. Uh, no, the Nuggets did not end up coming back against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. finished with 11 points. Gordon finished with six. The four, or I'm sorry, the three best players for the Denver Nuggets. Well, really, we can throw, you know, Will Barton in there if you want to. But the three best players for the Denver Nuggets, Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Michael Porter Jr., the, the big guys who I felt were a threat to the Phoenix Suns defensively because Michael Bridges can guard Michael Porter Jr., but they didn't have a lot of bigs to guard Gordon and Jokic. Um, those players combined for 41 points between the three of them, which was less than Davis, LeBron, and Schroeder in some of those blowout games that the Suns had against the Lakers. So 
Uh, Phoenix is now 6-2 and two in the playoffs against the Lakers and the Nuggets, and they got that 2-0 lead. So, no, there was not a crazy comeback after we finished recording this podcast. Back to the podcast. And so... I wanted to play one of our all-time classic games here on the Take It Easy podcast. Going back to 2019 when we played it for the first time leading up to the NFL playoffs with the Titans and the Ravens. And you won with the Ravens and you thought you had everything you were looking for. And then the Ravens squandered that opportunity against the, the um, oops, sorry, the Tennessee Titans because of a tipped ball by Mark Andrews that got intercepted by Kevin Byard and two failed fourth and inches conversions that end up flipping the game 28 points and allowing the Titans to advance to the AFC championship game. All of that is a long-winded way to say it's time to play deal or no deal with the remaining eight NBA playoff teams. Who is your team that you are rolling with all the way through to the NBA finals? We're going to find out here today with a little game of deal or no deal. And it's a shorter game because we only have eight. Usually when we play with March Madness teams or NFL playoff teams or NFL quarterbacks, we usually do it with 12 to 16 teams or players in our game. And unfortunately, we've only got eight. So this game's going to be a little bit shorter and the decisions will mean that much more. Is the game going to be more intense? Absolutely. But is it sad because the game is going to be shorter than usual? And that means less time of playing this really fun game and getting to engage with the Take It Easy podcast? Depends on who you ask if they're upset or not, that this is going to be shorter of me talking than normal. But let's put on my Alex Trebek rest in peace game show suit and uh, let's play a little game of 2000s TV on, I believe it was Fox, was Deal or No Deal. But anyways, Deal or No Deal doesn't really exist anymore. Maybe it'll come back at some point. But let's play a little game of Deal or No Deal. So here is how... The game works. For those of you who may be new to the program or are not really big game show people, both are understandable. They are very niche things. So there are eight briefcases lined up here in my room. Unfortunately, this is an audio medium, so you cannot see the briefcases lined up along here. Each of the eight briefcases have been assigned one NBA team. One of the eight that are remaining left in the playoffs. In random order, this is just listed by seeding and conference, we have the Jazz, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Clippers, the 76ers, the Nets, the Bucks, and the Hawks. Those are the eight teams. They've been randomly assigned to these eight cases that we have here. What I am going to do right now is pick a case for the entire audience who is playing along here. We have one through eight. I'm going to take one out. If you keep playing all the way to the end of the game, this is the case that you will win at the end of the game. Now, under normal deal or no deal circumstances, they would be assigned dollar values. But in this version, our dollar value is probability that your team will end up making a deep playoff run and ultimately winning the NBA championship. You can take the deal from the person call from the uh, sorry from the banker 
you can take a deal at any time. And every few rounds, I will be offering you a new deal based on the probabilities of the teams who are left in the game. So the case we are going to take out is number lucky number six. We are going to take out number six from the game right now. Case number six is put off to the side. If any of you play all the way through the game, then you will win case number six. But before we begin the first round, so there will be four rounds of game here today. Usually we'll play six to seven just based on the amount of people we have today. There will be four rounds of the game. We will take out three cases the first time, which leaves five left. Then we'll take out two, which leaves three left. Then we'll take out one, which leaves two left. And then in the final round, we will remove the last case, uh, thus revealing which case we have taken out, i.e. which one number six is. So slowly but steadily, we'll be revealing cases one by one uh, throughout the next couple rounds. And to begin, before we start round one, I'm going to offer everybody here right now a chance to walk away as a winner. Or sorry, not walk away as a winner. We'll find out if you're a winner later on in the playoffs. But you can walk away right now without playing the game one time with the Philadelphia 76ers. Before ever opening a case, you can walk away right now with the Philadelphia 76ers. So why should you take the case of the Philadelphia 76ers? Well, just doing a raw evaluation of the numbers, it looks like the Philadelphia 76ers either have the third or fourth best chance of winning the NBA Finals. They've got an increased chance of making it guaranteed to the Eastern Conference Finals. But right now, they find themselves in a 1-1 series against the Atlanta Hawks. Game three will be on Friday. And Joel Embiid is battling a partially torn meniscus, which in game one allowed guys like Clint Capella to just catch lob after lob after lob because Joel Embiid couldn't really jump to deny Clint Capella of those oops. And Joel Embiid is a gigantic human being, even by Clint Capella standards. It's why he's been a runner-up as Defensive Player of the Year before, is because he blocks shots that only guys like Rudy Gobert and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Anthony Davis can also reach. But without the with the meniscus tear, it's affecting Joel Embiid's game. So you get potentially the third or the fourth seed or third or fourth best option on the board, but their star player has a partially torn meniscus. So, Philadelphia 76ers, right now, from the banker, deal or no deal? And remember, if you take the 76ers, that's the team you're represented with. You you can see, play along with the game and see what you could have won, but if you walk away right now, you can have the Philadelphia 76ers No questions asked. All right. For those of you who took the Philadelphia 76ers, I think you might have yourself a bit of a shot of winning this championship. But for the rest of us, it's time to play deal or no deal. So round one, we're going to remove three cases here and decide which teams are now off the board at least for being our case. The first one we're going to remove, what do you know? 
the Philadelphia 76ers are the first case that we're going to remove here. So we lose the 76ers. We just analyze them. Let's take a second one off the board right now. And that second team is the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are gone, which to be honest, if we look up right now, might actually be a little bit of a blessing in disguise, considering that the Milwaukee Bucks are a big money case, but also find themselves down 0-2 against the Brooklyn Nets right now. And I talked about this on radio a little bit today, and also when we started eulogizing them on Tuesday. Even if the Bucks progress to the mean, because they've been terrible shooting the ball, they shot basically 17% from three in game one, shot 27% from three in game two, but as a team, they shot under 40% from the field in a game where they only scored in the 80s in points. I don't remember exactly what they scored, but it was somewhere in the 80s. And the Philadelphia, or I'm sorry, the Milwaukee Bucks are obviously a team that we look at and say, that is a championship caliber team. I had said, I mean, I said to an extent, not like this is guaranteed 100% hot take. This is like a mild take that Bucks Nets was for the NBA championship. If the Bucks can beat the Brooklyn Nets, they become the prohibitive favorites to win the NBA championship. But as we're playing this game, we also have the context of them being down 0-2. And so, as I was saying before, and as I mentioned on radio today, even if the Bucks progress to the mean... The Milwaukee Bucks are still going up against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I think they can, it's an even matchup. That's why I thought the series was going seven in the first place, is that them being as good as they are is an even matchup. But now they have to win four out of five games. And I just don't know how feasible that's going to be. But game three tonight must win for Milwaukee. Everyone should be watching that game three because I have a feeling you're going to see something special. And by the way, Vegas has 88% of the bets on the Brooklyn Nets, which means they are betting heavy, heavy, heavy on the Milwaukee Bucks. They have Milwaukee blowing out the Brooklyn Nets in game three, which is something we kind of expect because it would be genuinely shocking to see with no James Harden, the Milwaukee Bucks go down 3-0 against the Brooklyn Nets. So Vegas is saying Milwaukee. I'm confident in those Bucks and, uh, We'll see what happens in game three tonight. But in terms of the purposes of deal or no deal, we lose two of the elite teams in the Eastern Conference, the 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, third case that we're going to remove before going back to the dealer is... Ooh, another Eastern Conference team, the Atlanta Hawks. So we've removed now three Eastern Conference teams. And by the way, Hawks are same position as the 76ers. 1-1 series... Uh, As I mentioned on Monday, everything from this point forward is just icing on the cake for the Atlanta Hawks. Baby Trey Young is cooking in the playoffs. Uh, DeAndre Hunter is gone for the season. That was a tough blow that came in yesterday while we were live on the air for radio. And I was so mad that we missed it live on the air, that we had out for season DeAndre Hunter breaking news. And I just didn't see it while we were talking about the Hawks and 76ers series. So uh, Hawks lose their third or fourth best scoring option and a guy who can kind of create his own shot. So um, Hawks, I expect them to probably lose the series in five or six. But like I said, from at this point on, it's icing on the cake and anything with a torn meniscus for Joel Embiid makes things infinitely interesting. So 
76ers, the Bucks, and the Hawks are gone. We are left with all four Western Conference teams and the Brooklyn Nets. And so now we turn over to the bank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Understandable. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The bank has returned to offer the Utah Jazz. Right now, you can walk away with the Utah Jazz, number one seed in the Western Conference, up one game to nothing on the Clippers after an epic 45-point Donovan Mitchell performance. Shout out to Spider Mitchell and the Rookie of the Year for the rest of time. Um, as I'm recording this right now, I'm looking at my Donovan Mitchell the rookie jacket that I bought a couple of years ago. Uh, remember the jacket he wore to say rookie is someone playing in their first year despite Ben Simmons. Uh, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So I've got Donovan Mitchell's rookie jacket. Now remember the Utah Jazz are still on the board, but the bank had to entice the offer because right now, you could be guaranteed with the Brooklyn Nets up 2-0. Brooklyn is the team everyone wants. You want to get Brooklyn in this game. That's your best chance to win the championship. And all of the Western Conference teams are still available. So the bank had to sweeten that deal a little bit and offer the Utah Jazz. Because right now, you if you could keep playing and almost be guaranteed a championship team. So, the Utah Jazz, who, mind you, are still in the game. It's like that uh, that skit from Family Guy where they're like, the mystery box could be anything. Like, the Utah Jazz are good, but the mystery box could be anything. It could also be the Utah Jazz. Uh, anyways, Utah Jazz. Deal or no deal? For those of you who took the deal on either the 76ers or the Jazz, you've got some very lovely teams in your arsenal to root for. For those of you who are still playing, we are going to eliminate two more teams here before the banker comes back in. So, Biggs, let's take out another case right now, and that case is going to be Kawhi Leonard and the Los Angeles Clippers. And this just gives me a moment to talk about that funny moment that happened yesterday during the uh, <laughs> during the Utah Jazz Clippers game. It's now two days ago, but we're recording this on Wednesday night. I'm probably on a plane by the time you're listening to this right now. But uh, there was a funny moment between the there was a really good moment between the Clippers and the Jazz, and they caught it on the bench in between a timeout where. Kawhi or Donovan Mitchell had said during a break, like they just finished game seven, two days ago. If we like pound them right now, they're going to, they're going to fold They're If we go all in, they're going to fold and we're going to win. And lo and behold, that's exactly what the Utah jazz ended up doing. They pushed it all in Donovan Mitchell at a 45 point game one. The Utah jazz took game one over the Clippers, which if you haven't learned by now, the Clippers are in no jeopardy yet. The Clippers can win game two tonight, and it changes all of the math around this series. So I'm excited for that game two between the Jazz and the Clippers. Uh, it's going to be really fun to see that series play out, and Utah is rocking right now. That was super cool where they handed out all the jerseys, and you had one section yellow, one section orange, and it went all the way up to the upper deck. That was 
really cool way of doing that. I know Oklahoma City does that also, and Phoenix is probably doing something like that, but it's super cool that they are able to orange and yellow out the entire arena, which is pretty dope on that uh, that rising sun court that is the best jerseys in the NBA. If you're looking for just a sick design, go with Utah Jazz orange and yellow jerseys. They're so cool. All right, let's eliminate one more team here, and that team is going to be the Phoenix Suns. Now, the Phoenix Suns are up right now by 21 on the Denver Nuggets with six minutes left. And I just want to talk about this game real quick before we get to the box, because uh, I can, even though you heard me come in from the future later on, um, maybe I'm from the future too. Who knows? But even though you heard Kyle from the future a little bit earlier on the podcast, as I now talk from the past, I have no idea what Kyle from the future said in the future, but here I am talking to you in the present. So it's currently 69-48 Phoenix. They're up 21 points. Looks like they're well on their way to a victory. And this was the exact problem that I had forecasted for the Phoenix Suns. And they have answered that call perfectly, which is, yes, Chris Paul and Devin Booker are shutting down Campasso and Austin Rivers. But the bigs of the Denver Nuggets, who I thought could score 70, 80 points in some of these games, just folding right now. And Jokic has 17, 9, and 5 at this th- at the six-minute mark in the third quarter. But I'm looking at the rest of this team. It is Michael Porter Jr., 5 points. Aaron Gordon, 6 points. As a team right now, the Denver Nuggets are shooting 36% from the field. The Suns are shooting 44% from the field. Suns have gotten to the free throw line about a dozen more times, or sorry, about half a dozen more times than the Denver Nuggets. And oh, by the way, the Suns are shooting 40% from three, while the Denver Nuggets are shooting 25%, seven of 27 from the three-point line. Denver is shooting in this game. So it has been, it looks like just all around a poor performance from Denver halfway through the third quarter. They've only got six points. They've got 48 points. Like Denver's barely going to get to 80 points. This looks like a 2002 playoff game. This looks like a Carmelo Anthony versus Steve Nash playoff game more than it does a Nuggets Suns 2021 high scoring dominating affair. But Who knows? Maybe Denver's got this last effort left in the tank and Kyle from the future can tell you all about that amazing 20 point comeback the Denver Nuggets had against the Suns. Anyways, so let's bring it back to deal or no deal. So we are left now with the Jazz, the Nets and the Nuggets. Those are your three options left and noting that the Nets are up 2-0, the Nuggets are on their way to being down 0-2. And the Utah Jazz are in an epic series against the Clippers that feels way too early to tell because those teams were way too evenly matched the first time around. And so we return to our friend, the banker. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, Mr. Banker. I mean, it is a nice deal. I'm not going to lie. It is It's pretty good at this point. They do have the Nets still on the board. That is an important part of this. All right. Thank thank you. All right. The bank is willing to offer the Milwaukee Bucks to walk away right now with the Nets, the Jazz, and the Nuggets still on the board. 
you can walk away with the Milwaukee Bucks, presently down 0-2 against the Brooklyn Nets, but understandably a team that we view can win the NBA championship if they come back in this Brooklyn Nets series. Probably the second best team to have in the whole game, but might be declining as we start to see them get eliminated. So let's throw up the Milwaukee Bucks. Deal or no deal? For those who have taken a deal so far, I hope you cross your fingers and hope for some good luck down the road. For the rest of us here, let's eliminate one more case. I think here you're kind of rooting for the Jazz. I'm sorry, the Nuggets. So let's see which one gets eliminated here. Let's go. The Utah Jazz. Oh. Bye-bye to the Utah Jazz. Which means we are left with the Brooklyn Nets up 2-0 on the Milwaukee Bucks. The team you want to have in this game. And the Denver Nuggets about to be down 0-2. And not really looking like a finals team at all. Denver might actually be the 8th team out of 8 that you want. So you're left with number 1 and number 8 left on the board. And let's see what the bank is willing to offer you right now. As a consolation prize, do not open case number six. And case number six could be either the Nets or the Nuggets. And whatever case number six is, if you're still playing, that is your team that you are riding with in this game. I like it. This is exactly what I would go with. Thank you, Mr. Banker. So, the bank right now is willing to offer you the presently up 20 points in the third quarter against the Denver Nuggets, Phoenix Suns. Deal or no deal? All right, let's wrap up this game of deal or no deal. Let us reveal what is case number six. It is the Denver Nuggets. Oh, what a game. By the way, the last case available was number eight. I went in order in terms of eliminating the cases. The Denver Nuggets. Are the, are the lucky winners for all of the people who stayed in this game. I am so sorry if your gamble did not pay off and you're stuck with those Denver Nuggets who, despite having the MVP of the league, are down 2-0 against the Suns and down 20 points in Game 2, which I assume they're going to lose, but maybe Kyle from the future has other plans for us. I am so sorry. But if maybe you can uh, bounce back from this one. It's all for fun anyways. Deal or no deal never would do that to someone who's desperately in need of a team to root for. But hey, hop on with Gage Bridgeford and that Denver Nuggets bandwagon. Anyways, so let us drop in with our friend 10 Sports to talk about this Julio Jones trade from an analytical X's and O's standpoint here on the Take It Easy podcast. This has been Deal or No Deal. 
Hello? What's up? How are you today? Doing pretty good. How are you? I'm feeling good. How about that? So we got uh, we got some exciting Titans news going on here. It's good to hear from you again. Yeah, the Titans, uh, after a little suspect offseason, they found a way to get back in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they kind of got back to a net zero because I was doing the math on it. It's like if you have to replace 1,000 Corey Davis yards and you have to replace about 700 Jonu Smith yards – uh, Julio Jones and Josh Reynolds and the return of Adam Humphreys might be just enough to do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I think, honestly, I think Julio's a huge upgrade over Corey Davis. Um, and the thing, yeah. about, <laughs> the thing about John Smith is I think he was more so a product of um, Tannehill than it was the other way around. I, think, I just think Tannehill is – underrated when it comes to the point of being able to put his teammates in a position to succeed. Uh, look at Corey Davis as, as an example. The dude didn't have didn't have good years in Tennessee up until Tannehill was his quarterback. So um, so I, I like where we are. Um, I don't think losing Corey and John was that big of a deal to start with, but now that we got Julio, it's definitely not a big deal. <laughs> and I forgot to mention off the top, our buddy 10 Sports, check him out on Instagram. Uh, we've been doing these for like a year now, just on and off whenever there's something cool going on with the Titans or yeah. Nashville Predators, even though they, <laughs> they didn't have very much cool going on this year. But we, uh, yeah, check out 10 Sports on Instagram. Um, so the, the basically with the restructuring of the contract, y'all got Julio Jones for a second round pick and it didn't really cost anything relative to the cap, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. One, considering the considering that it was easy all they had to do is restructure Tannehill's deal but two that they didn't do it beforehand it had it in the free agency yeah um ty's gm once again working miracles throughout here um yeah i mean um and, and the funny thing about it is they didn't i don't think they had to consult Tannehill for his permission uh, of course they had to talk to him and say hey here's what we're doing so he's aware but um I think they could have done it no matter what. Even if Tannehill didn't want to do it, they could have done it regardless. And I don't know if Tannehill would have said no anyway, because all it is is they're converting his salary money into his um, – I mean, his money into, I think, his signing bonus. So he is pretty much guaranteed now, but spread out over a few years. So, um, so yeah, I mean, great great work by John Robinson to make this happen. Uh, second offseason in a row, he's done something that pleases the fan base. So uh, – <laughs> He's doing his job well. Yeah, and and no, never is Julio Jones a bad thing, no matter how old or how injured or whatever. It's uh, I don't think there's any possible way, given that all they had to give up was a mid to late second round pick to get him. I don't, I don't think there's any way that this backfires for the Titans because it's all of it is basically you just get another one of these super freak humans into that into that yeah. locker room with AJ Brown and Derrick Henry, and at the very least, it's better than what you had before. And I don't know how valuable that second round pick really is to the Titans at this point. Uh, I mean, they're, it's similar. They're going all in. Um, they revamped the defense. It's really going to come down to the defense this year. They revamped it, um, and they pretty much kept the offense intact just with different players. Um, you know, like I said earlier, no disrespect to Johnny Smith, but he he was yeah he had eight touchdowns, which were huge, but he wasn't as huge of a of a factor in our offense. As people think, because he was spent a lot of time injured, and uh, our backups tight end had to step up. So, offense is is still there, um, and 
they're going all in this year. It's like they're going for a Super Bowl this year. Um, so that second round pick won't mean anything. We win a Super Bowl. So, um, so I, I think it's a good move. <laughs> and nor will the extra like fifteen million dollars there. And you mentioned the defense. I don't think we got to talk about Bud Dupree because that was a that was a genuinely shocking signing in free agency. Where I saw that, I was like, wow. That was that was out of nowhere, you know, sixteen million dollars a year for five years to Bud Dupree to solidify that linebacker position. They'd been battling with trying to get it right for a while, and you know, it was a big move for the Tennessee Titans to make and a huge financial commitment. But maybe this, after like trying with Jadavian Clowney and trying with, uh, well, I don't even know who it was Vic Beasley. Now they're they're pretty much saying, all right, let's go all in. And, and pay one of the biggest linebacker contracts in the NFL. I thought that was a under-the-radar shocking move that the Titans made before this. Yeah. Um, I like the Bud Dupree move um, simply because I think Bud Dupree's going to come in here and um, do better than Jadavion Clowney did. I think Jadavion Clowney move, even though I wanted it to happen, I think it was a little bit overblown by Titans fans uh, because I don't – people saw him as this multi-sack guy who's going to have double-digit sacks. Um, and I saw him more as like a guy that's going to create disruptions. And he he did that, but not as good as I thought he would. Um, there was times where he got to the quarterback and forced the quarterback to hurry or out of the pocket. And that's kind of why I expected out of Jadavian. But I expect Bud to get to the quarterback and sack him. So I think this is a better move this time around. Uh, and also they added Denico Autry too, which is another underrated move because now you have Denico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons in the middle. Uh, stuffing around, and Nico can get to the quarterback too. So, I think having that for, that presence up the middle with Jeffrey and Nico um, will help free up um, uh, Bud Dupree on the outside. So, I'm excited to look at what, what what they scheme up this year. If you look at the moves they took in the secondary, it seems like they're converting to a man defense. Um, so. It looks like they want to go more man defense, man blitzes. So I'm excited to see what they do this year. Um, I hope the defense can step up because defense is going to be the question whether or not Tigers will be in the Super Bowl or not, in my, in my honest opinion. So, Well, uh, do you think that the man coverage is more out of necessity or what they want to do? Because I know they obviously lost to Dory Jackson and Malcolm Butler and replaced him with Caleb Farley, who we think is going to be there week one. But, you know, it's, it's up in the air. But – do you think the man coverage thing is like that's what they want to do or that's more just that's the roster that we have and we want to run more man blitzes? I think it's what they want to do because uh, the reason why they got rid of Malcolm Butler and, well, uh, other than cap space and um, Adore Jackson was to get guys that fit what they want to do. It's obvious that pretty much, I'm pretty sure at some point they had a meeting after the season, like our defense is not cutting it. We got to make changes. And I think they decided to make a scheme change because um, literally every player they sign is offseason. Uh, that's why I say it's, it's what they want to because they, they've signed players that fits that man coverage uh, mold. Um, Caleb Farley was regarded as a good man coverage. Even though he can play zone, he's regarded as a good man coverage corner coming in the draft. You know, Virginia's a good man coverage corner. Um, they've made moves to the point where you feel like at some point, they they thought they decided like we're going to go to a man defense. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why they decided to change it that way. Um, I mean, obviously zone defense wasn't working very well for them, so that's probably why. But um, but it's just what Mike Rabel wants to do, and I, I'm just happy that Mike Rabel's making the changes because people call him stubborn. I don't think he's that stubborn. I think he's a smart guy. 
he may act stubborn, but I, I think he's a smart guy. And he's probably like, you know what, I got to change something up because it's not working for me. So, Why would he get the reputation of stubborn? I can't even think of why he would get that reputation. Um, last year, um, his, well, it's a sequence of events. Um, first off, his, if, if you ever want to watch one of his press conferences, um, just, just take a note of his tone that he has when he talks. Um, he just has this kind of like, he has a tone like if you didn't know any better, you would think he's won like twenty Super Bowls and he's like a legend. Yeah, no he wants to like him. intimidate you. It's, yeah, he, like he, he speaks like he wants to intimidate you at yeah. every turn. Yeah, and he likes to he likes to have like a smart, this sarcastic tone with the reporter. So reporters sometimes clash with him. Uh, they tweet about him like how like how arrogant he is, whatever. So there's that, and then. It's, some, it's, it's like whenever they asked, like last year, when we had a horrible defense, and it was pretty obvious our defense was horrible, and the reporters would ask him, um, you know, what do you think about um, the system that you have going on? Last year it was like we didn't have a defense coordinator. It, everybody knew it was Shane Bowen, but Rabo didn't want to make him the official coordinator. So Shane Bowen was simultaneously the defense coordinator and the linebackers coach. So – the defensive players didn't know what who to report to. So they, that's that's where there was a lot of confusion going on. So when reporters were asking about that, like, hey, why don't you go find a DC? Why don't you make Shane Bowen the official defensive coordinator? He just wouldn't do it. Uh, so that was another reason why they called him stubborn. And the last reason is the Gus Galaxy situation when he started off horrible. Even though he won us three games, he was just horrible. Um, Vrabel refused to um, give up on him. And he turned out okay at the end, but it just stuff like that. People just think he's stubborn in his decisions. He people people think he's scared to admit he's wrong, uh, which I've seen opposite. There's been times where Rabel has made changes where you know a conversation happened in the meeting room. It was like, yeah, that was horrible. Let's not do that again. And I think this offseason is one of those examples. He he said my scheme is not working. Let me change up. And I, I really that makes me really confident that Mike Rabel is going to be here for a long time because he's willing to make changes. Yeah, and that's an important part of being a coach is just figuring out what works best for your team. And sometimes guys get stuck in their ways, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes they don't. It's kind of arbitrary how the how it works out that way. Um, it, so I, I was just thinking while you were going through that. So you had Bud Dupree, you've got Simmons, you got Danico Autry. Is Harold Landry the other one in the 4-3, or do you guys run the 3-4 defense? Uh, I think Titans is a – well, I know Titans are a base 3-4 defense, but uh, they, do a, okay. they do a lot of uh, different formations. Like, they may come out in the base 3-4, but they'll they'll show different looks. Like, so it's kind of it's kind of hard to say that they are just a 3-4 defense. Um, so, yes, Harold Landry is the other guy opposite of uh, Bud Dupree. And then, um, thanks, I won't say thankfully, but um, – Miraculously, we got we kept Jayon Brown, so that helps a lot. So the linebacker core is looking great, and that defensive front is looking really good. So um, I'm excited to see how it um, translates onto the field. Do you think the defense is going to be better this year than last year, or do you think that the Adoree Jackson, Malcolm Butler losses are going to be a, a bit much to to hurt the secondary a bit? Um, I feel like they may miss uh, Malcolm. I don't think they're going to miss Adoree too much. Um, Adoree was good at times, but he was mostly a uh, liability. But he was good at times. So, I, mean, I gave him his credit. Um, there were times we were facing out like Tyreek Hill, and he was able to hold hold him as long as he could, you know. But Adore is 
is mostly a liability with injuries and his mistakes that he makes. But Malcolm has been really good. So we'll definitely miss that. Um, I know the Titans didn't want to make that move because, yes, I said they're going to a man defense. Malcolm can play man. Like, he can play whatever you want to play. So they're going to miss that. Um, but I think that, that really comes down to if Farley and um, Christian Fulton can step up. Um, I, I, I have faith that Janora Jenkins will. He's a veteran. He's been doing it for a while. He's been one of the most consistent players in the league over the last decade. I keep forgetting Janoris Jenkins is there. That happened on a podcast a while ago before the NFL draft where we were talking about the Titans pick at 22. I was like, oh, shit, that's right. They have Janoris Jenkins. I keep forgetting <laughs> that Janoris Jenkins is a Titan now. Yeah, he's uh, one of the most consistent players in the league, so I have confidence he'll be okay. Um, it just comes down to Far- Farley and Fulton. If they can step up, if one of them can step up, we'll be fine. I have, I have confidence in Byer as well, and – there's questions about Amani Hooker, if he can step in the role that Kenny Vaccaro did, but Amani has looked good in the last couple of years and his role that he played. Now he's going to play a bigger role, so hopefully he can step up and um, play that bigger role well. But I think our secondary has potential. It just comes down to Fulton and Farley. It really does. Uh, they can play well. We won't miss them. Are the Titans offensively going to run three receiver sets this year? I know, obviously, Arthur Smith is gone now, and – uh, I don't know if they're going to keep running the same system or not because of the workload Derrick Henry's had over the last two seasons. That was a crazy stat I saw. Derrick Henry's had 800 carries in the last two seasons. Yeah. Um, that's one reason why I think the Julio move is big, is big because now I'll get to that later, but it's just now that they can be more versatile. But to answer your question, um, I think they can um, run three. I think they kind of have to run more three receivers uh, sets because – Josh Reynolds always has the potential or the threat of going deep and beating you deep. He's he has good speed. Great yeah, he's a he's a true slot receiver. Josh yeah, Reynolds and, is a true and, slot receiver. And with uh, AJ Brown and Josh uh, and Julio Jones on either side, now you got to count for Josh Reynolds too. Um, so it's going to make it really hard to stop the Titans' passing game if they do run a three set. And also, not to mention, with that three set. They can run a spread offense, spread the defense out, and let Derrick Henry gash through the middle. So, um, so yeah, I think they kind of have to. They can't run two receiver sets anymore, um, like Arthur did. They they kind of have to go towards towards the angle, towards the direction of, of a spread offense if they want to be. They want to utilize these uh, players to their best potential. Um, so I'm excited to see what they do. I think Todd Downing, the new offensive coordinator, he has um, all the pressures on him. Uh, he can't screw this up. If he screws this up. He's going to go down probably to one of the worst coordinators in history because you can't screw this up. You have so many superstars on your team. You have so many superstars and a window that is technically still open, but like teams are getting teams are improving and the Titans are kind of staying put. And that's why the Julio Jones move just made too much sense for me. Is like all these teams are getting better, and the Titans needed to do something to you know kind of push themselves over the edge in the arms race of the AFC. And they did it. They did it. So it was just a matter of really the big, biggest questions is, um, you know, uh, can Julio stay healthy? Um, and, you know, can Todd Downing utilize what he has to his full advantage? Because uh, there's been a lot of times where good teams kind of got bogged down by horrible coaching decisions. So um, mm-hmm. we'll you, you can about. screw up does. this even with the coaching situation. You can screw up this fact because you know you have this – we talked before, just freak gigantic running back that can also break away from elite athletes. Yeah. But the, <laughs> his body 
is not going to last forever. It's just a question of how much can he last. And we have some sample to figure it out just from other running backs. Not that Derrick Henry is other running backs, but yeah, when, when guys average 400 carries across two seasons and play, I think he took like 111 snaps in four playoff games, or I'm sorry, 111 carries in four (laughs) playoff games across the last two years. Like, at a certain point, you just look up and say, man, that guy is a bruiser who might, at the very least might have to change the way he runs to avoid contact at some point. I just yeah. don't know when that point is. Yeah, I think Derrick Henry is different in terms of how he's built and how he prepares himself. Um, that's why I think Derrick has been able to take these uh, these carries and, and literally not take a step back. Like, the guy – the only time I've seen him get injured over the last two years was when um, he had ran into uh, – it was a Steelers linebacker at the one-yard line. He, he ran at the middle, and Steelers linebacker caught him. Um, and Derek showed a little bit of something, but then he just got back up and ran again. And the Steelers linebacker was the one that had to go to the sideline. So that's the only time I saw Derek Henry have any kind of injury. There was, there was one kind of scare where he had a hamstring but it wasn't it wasn't serious, and they just kept him out of the Saints game because it didn't matter. Um, nothing, that game didn't matter at all in terms of our playoff chances, so they kept him out of the game. Uh, that was the only time I've seen him get hurt. This guy's different, so I'm not saying he he won't, you know, regress because it's going to happen eventually. But I don't think it's going to happen as soon as people think it's going to happen. Um, I I agree with you on that because I have no reason looking at this right now. I have no reason to believe he can't go for two thousand yards again next year. Like there's just nothing that. I'm seeing that says he's going to go down, other than just precedent of running backs declining. But he got even better into his fifth year than he did in his fourth year. Yeah, and uh, one thing, somebody um, had DM my page and asked me, "Do you think Derek can go two K again?" And I told him, I said. It's never happened. It probably never will. So I don't think so. But but if I mean, he can lead the league in rushing yards, they're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that and honestly, the more I think about it, the more I feel like now we got Julio, it, it could happen. I mean, seriously, it could happen. Like, uh, But it goes back to what I said I was going to allude to. I was going to get you later, and that is this. And this kind of touches on that. And um, Derek's um, uh, carry total. Um now they have Julio. They can the out the OC can literally choose a, a different game plan each week. Uh, you have so many weapons in your offense. Now when you face Titans, you're not. It's not like oh you know they're going to run the ball there, Henry, no matter what. Uh, no, like literally, we can come out one day and say we're going to be a passing team today, and we're going to air it out to AJ and Julio and Josh Reynolds, and Derek might get like 12, 13 carries just to kind of salvage his his you know miles a little bit. But Derek Steele on those 12, 13 carries might still get a solid 90 yards because now you're like, oh, they're coming out throwing the ball. Let's put two safeties up. Oh, we're going to just run Derek Henry and force you to stay honest. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. um, they can literally choose a game plan each week. If this OC can coach, he can he can, he can can have fun with this. He can say, okay, this week I want to be a passing team. Okay, this week I want to be a running team. Okay, this week I want to be a little bit of both. Let's be balanced. You know, And then it keeps opponents guessing what should we prepare for when we face Titans this week. And that's a nightmare for coaches. I already know. So, uh, well, that's one of the beauties of football is that you're literally playing the opponent a lot of the times. A yeah. lot of the times, you have to scheme around what the other team is doing, and teams have to scheme to what personnel they're playing. And game plans can change week to week to week, uh, almost entirely how you play the game. Yeah, and uh, also, um, 
if you want to go to a fantasy standpoint, that kind of makes the Titans a little scary option in fantasy because you just don't know. I think the I still think the most reliable piece in fantasy, if you want to get a Titan, is Derrick Henry because he's going yeah. to get his touches and he's going to get his touchdowns. Uh, but you just never know. Like one week, it might be um, Julio going off. One week, it might be Josh Reynolds. One week, it might be AJ. You just never know. So uh, you got to be weary of that. But um, it's going to be fun offense. Like just we're, we're not going to know what to expect week in, week out, unless this OC is horrible and, and predictable, which would be – uh, um, failure, um, but um, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited for the week one. I'll tell you that. Yeah, against the Cardinals, nonetheless, that's going to make it even more interesting. That's going um, to be a big game. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one o'clock week one game. I'm super <laughs> excited. It's like, yeah, it's during the the nine red zone games, but that's one that I'm like, uh, this one is going to be interesting to see because both of those teams are going to look so different year over year. So yeah. That's going to be cool to watch Titans and Cardinals, both kind of at the same stages of their franchise, right? Like this is year three of their current iterations. They want to really take a big leap this year and put themselves over the edge and they've made the moves to do that. So you're right. Yep. That is going to be a really fun game. Yeah, it's going to be amazing to watch and it's going to be nerve wracking. I'm a Titans fan, but uh, we find that I think that's going to be a, you know, it's an early test for our defense. Uh, we're facing DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Kyler Murray, uh, Andy Isabella was a speedster. Um, AJ Green is there now. AJ Green, they have a good running back. I think I, I want to say it's uh, who's it? I want to say Kenyon Drake. I don't, I don't I don't know if it's him. No, it's not Kenyon Drake. It's um, James That's Connor. The, James Connor is yeah, running back. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna be a tough test for the Titans defense first right off the bat, and then we got Russell Wilson right after that. So um, early test. And I said this on my – I go live on TMS every Thursday, and I said this the last week. I said I think the defense is going to struggle coming out because they're facing top-tier players um, early on, and this is a pretty new revamped defense. Like, literally, a lot of these guys – I think we have, like, what? I forget the number, but a high percentage of players that starting for our defense now did not start for us last year. So, they're new. They got to deal together. They'll have training camp to do that now that, you know, we're in a normal year. We're not virtual. Um, so, hopefully that helps. But they'll have three preseason games. But that week one game is going to be a true test for them to kind of see who they are. And I think they're going to struggle right off the bat. But I think they'll finally start to get it around, like, week five or six. And that's when things will start to click. So, hopefully the first five weeks our offense can carry us a little bit. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Thursday because that's when this podcast is going to air. So, if you're awesome. listening to this right now, make sure to follow 10 Sports so you can see him go live on Instagram today. Or maybe it's already happened, at which point you can check out next week, I guess. <laughs> it'll, it'll be saved on my page, so you can definitely just watch it, uh, watch the rerun of it. But, but yeah, I just go live. I had Derek Mason, former Titan, on there one week. Uh, this week, I won't have a guest. It'll be me. But Ooh, that's awesome. Derek Mason, that's kind of awesome. He's, he's a pretty cool guy. Pretty cool guy. <laughs> Nice. Well, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, and until the next big Titans news, uh, enjoy yourself and thank you again. I really, I'm glad we got to catch up here today. No problem. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of uh, Melvin Ingram um, rumors. So we get him. I might be back on. <laughs> that would be, that would be interesting because, because <laughs> I'm a big Harold Landry guy only because he was our 2019 preseason hall of famer on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, 
all of those guys that win that award, I try to follow their careers. So I believe in Harold Landry, but I, I can't say no to Melvin Ingram. That that yeah. would be a great pickup for the for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, real quick, right now the rumors like it's not official, but it's just whispers. But you know what they say, where there's smoke, there's fire. So yeah, we'll I mean, I've heard I've heard Raiders and I've heard uh, back to the Chargers for him, but the Titans would be interesting. Because that, it, like you said, that defense has a, it's basically an all new cast of characters. So, yeah, might as well see what you can get out of him. Vic Beasley didn't work out as well, but maybe Melvin Ingram will work a whole lot better. Right, and have Bud Dupree. That'd be that'd be that'd be great. Hopefully, it happens, but we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Maybe we'll chat again sooner than we think. But uh, <laughs> thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.